ever heard that song before? Another real pretty song. Um, I, I, we've been fortunate to found a couple really good ones lately. That you might not know them, but you know, if you don't know it, just you read the words and uh, still worship God. Amen. Only a holy God. You may have noticed the theme today, some tough stuff that was happening to Paul and you know, and needing the every hour, every minute, every second. And so uh, hopefully you recognize that. So uh, so two weeks ago, um, we, we, were, we started what we call the Great Digression, okay? Um, and this is part three of it, all right? So Paul, uh, we're, we're in the, the book of Ephesians chapter three, verses 11 through 13 today. Well, Paul begins chapter three by, you know, like, it's like, you know, I wanna, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray for you Ephesians. Oh, wait a minute, there's other things I need to say first. And so for this is our third week now, we're going to look at what what Paul you know talked about. It was so important. He said, "Man, I, we 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 got we got to talk about this." And so we're looking at that uh, today. It's part three again in Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse eleven. Um, and so as we start today, um, have have y'all ever thought about the importance of having a plan and a purpose on anything? I, I mean, I know Brother Jim used to you know, build houses and structures for a living. And you got to have a plan, right? And it takes a long time to come up with that plan, right? Amen. Um, and so I think about, you know, I have to talk about basketball. All right? for, for the visitors, I was a basketball coach for 20 years and 11 years here at Hamilton. And uh, the last game I coached uh, was in the Final Four at State. Um, and, and the next day, by the way, they won by 30. So we, we had a good chance if we would have won that game, we probably would have won. Uh, we lost by 30. Um, but uh, the, before that, we, my, Malcolm Pollock was a former player of mine, and he's, he's a coach at Swanee now. He was my assistant that year, and we had to admit, we come up with a pretty good plan. All right? Now, uh, the guy we we're playing against is Trent Forrest. He played at Florida State uh, for four years and was like a first-team all-conference in ACC, Very, the best basketball player I ever coached against. And everybody I talked to said, Coach Murphy, uh, I'm gonna, I'll help you out, the people in the panhandle, because he was from, from Chickley. I called people, and I'd say, I say, you know, can you, get, can, can you tell me something about Chip Lee? Can you give me some film? Can you give me any, any help? And every single one of them said the same thing. Coach, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you film. I'll, I'll help you out, but y'all not going to beat Chip Lee. All right, Trent's too good. You know, Trent Forrest is too good. And, uh, and so anyway, we, lost, we only lost by three, but we had a really good plan, a really good plan to defend him. Now, I'm not going to go into details of that, but it had to do with, you know, double teaming him, had to get him get, him, get rid of the ball and, and, uh, and we, we got in that plan because we watched another team do it who beat them from Tennessee. All right? They played in Tennessee, and, and I was the type that I would leave no stone uncovered. And so I, I found out that they lost to a team in Tennessee, and I, we watched that film. Oh, we can do that. And so, uh, so anyway, um, I, called back, I called back those same guys uh, that I called the, the, you know, before we played them, those same coaches, and I, I thanked every, all of them for, for, get, for helping me. I always did that. You know? I said thank you for for help, oh, Coach Murphy, uh, we had no idea y'all were so good, uh, and that was the best game plan on Trent. On Trent, we've seen all year, uh, and so my point is, the plan we had was was very good, and the guys trusted the plan. Now we didn't win the game, but uh, but they trusted the plan. And and another thing that goes with that, another word that goes with that is purpose. Purpose. Would y'all agree that that's important? You know, uh, going back to to my team, my guys knew every year our our what our main purpose, one of our goals, so to speak, was to win district. We win district, then we want to work to win everything else, but district first. And then we'll, you know, and so we had a plan in place and a purpose in place, and they trusted the process because they believed in the purpose. All right? um, and, you know, uh, thinking about purpose, y'all remember the book The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren? You, you may have read it. Uh, anybody read it? Show of hands. 
All right, I've read it. Yeah, I've read it too. Uh, a really good book. Um, and and but that's a that's a big thing, you know. And it, you know, I think just the title itself would have sold millions of copies because everybody's looking for purpose or looking for, you know, what's my point in life? What's my purpose? Um, that book uh, hit the the Wall Street Journal bestseller charts and was on the New York Times bestseller list for over ninety weeks. Right, crazy. Uh, according to both the author and the publisher, fifty million copies, fifty million have been sold in more than 85 languages by 2020. Like it's, you know, so many. So again, so without a purpose, life is tough. The plan and purpose matters. And so, and, and Sally, y'all, y'all, uh, Sally's going to be doing this too. She's pulling double duty today because Miss Rhonda's not here. And so here's our, our central statement today. And if you're new, we like to have a central statement to kind of build the sermon off of. And the points are in there. So if you want to take notes, uh, you're free to, to do that. I, I'm a little guilty of, of going too fast sometimes talking. I'm still working on that. I have done better staying, staying behind the pulpit, though. All right? I was all over the place for the first couple of months. I'm trying to do a better job of you know standing here. Uh, my ADHD kicks in sometimes. All right? I was never diagnosed with that, but we didn't have that back when I was growing up. All right? But I guarantee you I had it. All right? All right? There's no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Okay? All right? my, Sunday, my Sunday school teacher from Corinth Baptist Church uh, said you, you would be on, under, on top of the, uh, the table, under the table. You'd be all over the place. So, yeah. That was me. All right. And now, now I'm your pastor. All right. All right. Uh, anyway, I don't know what y'all get into. Anyway, but, here, but here's our statement. In, in Christ, uh, we may approach God with boldness and confidence because we know he has a grand plan. So when affliction comes, we don't have to be discouraged. So this one, if you're taking notes, I don't want you to be confused, okay? We're going to not go in the order of that statement, okay? We're going to talk about the plan first in the middle. Okay, and then we're going to talk about boldness of confidence, and we're going to end with uh, affliction and not being discouraged. Okay, so if you're taking notes, it's going to go in that order. Okay, all right. So first thing, plan, purpose. And so when you know, and I, we, I said this earlier, when you know there's a plan, you can trust the process, right? Whatever it is. All right, Mr. Jim, I sure you had a plan to build that, and now everybody that worked for you, they trust the process because you had a plan in place. Uh, it's important to know that it's there. I, I think, uh, you know, and thinking about purpose, I'm reminded of another uh, basketball player, uh, a great uh, ball player who currently plays, Kevin Durant. Uh, some of y'all may have heard of him. And uh, he wears an odd number, number 35. And when I, I always wondered, even before I heard the story, I said, why does he wear number 35? That's not a cool number. You know, why is it number 23 or number 2? Or You know, like, why does he wear number 35? And I've come to find out he wore, he's always worn number 35 because it honors his high school coach who died at age 35. And, and so, that, and, and so he, he wears that number, and every time he wears it, it's a reminder of him of, 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 of having a purpose, that, you know, to honor him and, and his legacy and, and to do the best he could. So uh, it provides direction. A purpose uh, gives a reason. It's the why, so to speak. Well, what about us as Christians? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, what's the plan? See, the ultimate eternal purpose that is being referred to here is God's plan, God's redemption plan in Christ Jesus. And so we look at this first here. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to look at that part in a few moments. The eternal purpose is, the, is God's redemption plan right, to bring people back to him. Right? Um, and so the question is, do we really trust that God Almighty has a plan? The, you know, ask that to yourself. Do you really trust, even when things are tough, that God has a plan? Now, we say it, and sometimes we say it kind of even in a, in a haphazard type manner, but do we really believe it? 
You know, coaches all over are known for saying things like, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. It reminds me of that football movie, you know, uh, Remember the Titans. And he said, you know, hey, it's going to work. You know, just trust the process. You know, it, it, I can't remember the, his idiom that he used, but, he, you know, it's going to work. Just trust the process. Do we trust it? Thing is, even if we might not understand our present circumstances and how they align with our individual purposes, we as Christians are all a part of the master plan to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So what about that plan? How are we doing? What's, what's our part? All right. Um, th this, first off, um, there, there is a plan, a holy, righteous God that we can trust. It's not some haphazard, you know, uh, you know, great, what do they call it, big bang or whatever. Hey, God has had a plan from the beginning uh, that we can trust. So what about us and our part of it? Do we share it? Do we share the gospel? Do we, do we love those around us? You know, do we point others to Christ? Because that's, that's our part as Christians is to, is to, is to uh, spread the Great Commission, to, to follow the Great Commission. Winky uh, Prattney says, Every day you are witnessing. What are you witnessing to? Your witness is the total package of your attitudes, character, and actions, and it does not lie. Right? Be really, really careful you know, how, how, we, how we portray ourselves. Um, uh, you know, Woodrow Crawl said, Let others report bad news. We'll share the good news. Because yeah. everybody can talk about other stuff. And it reminds me of, of you know, I, I was just on a podcast this past week. If you like the Florida Gators, you know, you can get with me later. I'll, I'll share the podcast. And uh, I was on a podcast um, uh, that, that covers Florida Gator football and basketball Monday. I was uh, asked to be on it. And, you know, when I'm talking to my dad or whatever about, about Florida, we can, we can complain, you know, about the coach. We can do all that stuff. And then I was like, whenever I was on that podcast that I knew anybody could listen to, I noticed that my I wasn't quite as uh, bold uh, with my feelings on the complaints of the coach because you know I, I wanted to be careful you know uh, it's so easy to spread bad news you know and I was like nah I, I need to kind of be a little more uh, neutral. George Whitefield once said, "God forbid." And I love this part of this, and I want to have the I want to have the same heart. Listen to this: God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. What, a, what an amazing, you know, that speak, I can't, if, if I'm with somebody 15 minutes, man, I need to talk to somebody about Christ. And, and this plan that we looked at earlier, uh, this plan, eternal purpose, is accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's already been fulfilled. It's, it's already been carried out. The, the verse says it right there. Jesus Christ fulfills the plan. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, not Gandhi. Jesus Christ, amen? John 14, verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But again, we are still, as Christians, we are still His instruments and being used by the Holy Spirit to carry out the redemption plan. We're on this earth to glorify God and Him alone, amen? All right, so may that be our, our heart and our, as, as we move on in our lives. And again, the central statement, in Christ... We may approach God with boldness and confidence because we know He has a grand plan. We saw that plan right then. So when affliction comes, we don't have to be discouraged. So now let's look back at the boldness and confidence part. Let's go to verse 12. In Him, we have boldness and confidence, confident access through faith in Him. Note the three, and I, I know, Miss Donnie, you probably do this, all right? But, you know, we're reading something. We're looking at the main words, right? We're breaking, we're reading something. We're looking at the main words there. Boldness, confident access. Those words stand out. 
Okay. Um, and as Vaughn, as Curtis Vaughn said, the three words are bound together so as to form one complete idea. Now we're going to break it down a little bit, but really it, it forms one complete idea, namely that through faith in Christ we have free, unrestricted, confident access to God. And confidence is a good thing, right? I mean, in life, you know, it's proved, it's been shown time and time again in sports that you have to have a, you know, like you have to believe you're going to hit the baseball when you're up there. You have to, have to believe you're going to make the free throw shot, you know, uh, and and you have to have confidence. That you'll, that you'll do that. And I told you about a, a former player of mine, the last game I coached at high school, and, you know, we needed to make two free throws, you know, and we were in the huddle. They called timeout, and, we were, you know, I said, hey, after Javiel makes these two free throws, we're going to be in this in this defense. Well, what I told him was he's going to make it, you know. Now he, he And then so I'm not saying it had a whole lot to do with it, but I think it helped, all right, because so the idea is oh, I'm going to make it, you know, and I always told him that. You have to always believe. You might not make every shot, but you have to believe you're going to make it. And so confidence is very important. One translation in the, of that verse reads, In union with Him, Christ, and through our trust in Him, we find courage to approach God with confidence. Because we know He has a plan. We, we, we can trust the process. Boldness in this suggests absence of restraint or fear. It translates a Greek word that literally denotes freedom of speech. Uh, it was used in classical Greek of the free speech that was the right of every citizen of a democratic state. So it, we have, it's like, kind of like our, our right to, to go to God in confidence, and with confidence. We can be unafraid and strong and secure because we know he has a plan. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but when, when, when times are tough, I know, it's comfort to me to know I have a holy God I can go to. Amen? That, that I'm not going to, to, to something or, you know, no, I'm going to a holy God who, who has proven time and time again that he can answer and he can, he can help and he can, uh, he can answer prayer. Amen? We've seen it here. Right? And just remember Jan a few weeks ago. I still get excited about that right? when, when she was sharing her story. In the New Testament, um, that word signifies the liberty of believers to approach God directly through Christ. Look at the following couple of verses. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Boldness. Right? Believing and having confidence that our God can handle it. Amen. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, the boldness comes from the fact that we, that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Right? And, we can have, and we're going, through, uh, going to God through Jesus. 1 John 2 verse 28 says, So now, little children, remain in Him so that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. And then Philippians 1 14. Y'all know I love to have Scripture. It preaches a whole lot better than I ever, ever will. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. When we did Philippians last year, we, we looked at that idea of, of the fact that other people were encouraged because of what Paul was going through. And so uh, this, this uh, thought kept coming through my mind as I was working on this message was, do we ask little things from a big guy? Y'all know I'm definitely not a name it, claim it, prosperity preacher in no way, in no, in no, no form. In fact, I'm going to talk about that in a few moments as well. But do we, or do we even ask even little things? Like I was thinking, like, all, you know, when I was looking at this and reviewing the sermon, you know, I wrote this down a couple of times. Do we ask little things of a big God? And then this morning I was like, or do we, do, or do we even ask the little things of God because he cares about them too? Think about that. 
And he cares about every part of our life. Of our life. And he's an awesome, mighty God. And we can pray. And we can, we've seen miracles. We've seen God heal people. So may we go to God with boldness. And the next one, confident access. I want to I join those together. All right, because they go together. Access refers to our approach to God. Our approach to God. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's, that's um, Ephesians 2, verse 18. See, God is never too busy for us. Never too busy. Have you, have you ever tried to get a hold of somebody you couldn't? Come on. All right, they're too important. <laughs> they're actually pointing at people. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Uh, but, but, you know, you, you, you can't. You've you got you to get a hold of somebody, and you can't. I couldn't even get a hold of Walmart the other day. You know, I, my, my power cord messed up on my computer, and I was right before the, you know, the bell rang to go to six period, and I was on hold for like seven minutes. You know, I'm like, and I, I just want them to tell me if that was in their, in their store. You know, and I had to call them back because they cut me off. And I called them back, and, and I'm like, and, I'm, and then I'm sitting, I'm, I'm in the hallway, and I'm like, hey, guys, I'll be there in a minute. I'm, still, I'm on the phone with Walmart. Hey, guys, good morning. Good to see y'all. I'll be there in a minute. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't even get a hold of Walmart. They were too busy for me. You know, so, uh, you think of people that are too important. But, man, bless, bless the Lord. He's not, he's not too important for us to get a hold of. All we got to do is just talk to him, and you're right there. Amen. See, S.M. Ball once said, The church has the ear of the sovereign king of creation who listens with real interest and compassion to those who are now members of his own family. Right? Powerful words. We have the ear of the sovereign king of all creation. Amen? Praise God. Confident, the word confident suggests the assurance of acceptance, okay? Proverbs 14, verse 26, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. Ephesians 2, 18, I've already I read this a few minutes ago, for through him, through Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. And in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4, it says, such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. Through Christ. To be able to get help from someone greater than ourselves. And to know that someone greater than ourselves is there. We can have security. We can have peace. And again, the key is through faith. In Him. In who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Philippians 3 verse 9 says, And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God based on faith. comes from Jesus. Believing God is God. He is who He says He is. And, and did anyone notice the first time we read verse 12? I'm going to put that back up there, maybe you don't mind. Notice in Him... Is, is the is the bread basically, you know, and everything else is the meat inside of it. It's the beginning and the end. See that? In Him we have boldness and confidence, access to faith. In Him, and you don't have to say it twice, but He did. And we know, uh, Miss Donna, and everyone knows if you if you if somebody says it twice, and when you're reading something, it's important. Okay, it's important. So in Him, in Jesus Christ, all this we have. In Him, stop. It's not. In, it's not in Sally. It's not in Patrick. It's not in James. It's, it's in Christ. We have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Not in ourselves. Our confidence is not from ourselves. Amen? So in Christ, we may approach God with boldness and confidence because we know He has a plan. Amen? So when affliction comes, we don't have to be discouraged. Verse 13. 
So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. Paul tells them, don't be discouraged. Y'all, don't y'all kind of like people who are natural encouragers? Like, isn't it great to have those people around? You, you just like to have them around. I, Mr. Jim and I were just talking uh, about Boston Red Sox baseball. I'm a Gator fan, and I'm a Red Sox fan too, okay? Uh, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. All right? But, uh, but we were talking about the, the Red Sox just signed a guy, Kiki Hernandez. Love his first name, Kiki. All right? And what I read about him was that he's he's just like a dynamite presence in the in the clubhouse. He's just always encouraging. He's just always, hey man, pick your head up. Hey hey hey, we got this. I I watched that take place on the football team this year. Uh, as, as some of y'all know, I was the chaplain of the football team this year. First time I've ever had any really connection to a football team other than announcing games at home. Okay, and it was really cool. I could see why people would like it. Uh, but what I noticed was this young man, and he don't mind me t- saying his name, Devin Cherry. I taught him he was in eighth grade. That young man, I was so impressed with him all year. He might not have been the, the best player, scoring all the touchdowns and all that, but I'll tell you what, man, he was, a, he was key to that program, to that team, because he was always encouraging people on the sidelines, teammates. He'd go, you'd see him all the time. It just happened all the time. You'd go up to him and, hey, man, hit him on the helmet. Hey, man, we got this, man. It's okay. Pick your head up. Hey, hey, we got this. Hey, hey we got, you know. And I was like, dude, I want that guy on my team every time. Every time I have a team, I want a guy like that. All right, uh, because you love to have that. And he's telling him to pick his head up. Paul is doing the same thing here. Hey, listen, people of, of, of Ephesus, pick your head up. Don't be discouraged, okay? Don't give up. Because apparently he was concerned that they would be discouraged because of all that he had experienced. We talked about that earlier. We, we read it earlier, Sally read it earlier, all the things that he went through, right? Uh, the shipwrecks and the beatings and you know, just all the, the amazing things that, that happened to him. And he, uh, and at this point, remember, he is in prison whenever he wrote this. Right? So keep that context in mind. This is not the first place where Paul talks about afflictions. Okay? Let's look at some other places. I'm not going to go everywhere. Just a couple places where he, he talks about being afflicted. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 6 says, If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And Colossians 1 verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. And then 2 Timothy 2 verse 10 says, This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And see, side note here, y'all know I have to do this every now and then, but do prosperity gospel preachers even read the Bible? Like, I... I don't know how you can read the Bible, especially the New Testament, and not be like, you know, what am I talking about if I was a prosperity preacher, a prosperity gospel preacher? I don't think they even read the same Bible. See, I, um, I, I, when I think about, uh, you know, my team and, and, you know, as a coach, I think about times when, you know, every time throughout the year there's this, like, lull. And if you played sports, you know this is what, middle of the season, do I, do, I, do I really want to come to practice? Uh, man, I'm going to run. Coach Murphy's going to make us do suicides. You know, do I want to do all that stuff, you know, or do I trust the process and I keep, and I keep pursuing? And I can tell you, I can, I can affirm as a coach, my successful teams were the teams who trusted me, who trusted I knew what, that, what was best for them. And even when it was tough and things got rough and hard, we still uh, we, we trust the process. And again, these these are when you talk about affliction. This is this this is the part that some preachers want to leave out. They, they, they don't want to tell you about tough times. 
that will happen in our life. Amen? And so one thing that we notice in these uh, verses from those three different books is that, uh, that we mentioned earlier, that, is that his suffering was for other people, which is uh, commendable. We, we know people who have suffered hardships and pain, and sometimes it's because of something they caused. Well, this is different. Paul, this is admirable uh, whenever you know that the person who is suffering is suffering on behalf of others. Of course, isn't that what Christ did for us anyway? Amen? So even more here with the Ephesians, we see the importance of this whenever we consider that he was in prison in the first place. And why was he in prison? Well, the charge that originated against him, if you recall, in Jerusalem, um, was that he had brought Greeks into the temple area of the Jews. Acts 21, verses 28 through 29. We'll look at this in, the, in a minute. And the reason that this charge came was that Paul had been together with a Gentile named Trophimus, who was an Ephesian. And this is the, the background of it. And let's look at this background here, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help. This is the man, but there's other people condemning Paul. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law in this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with him. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Well, that was what he was in prison for to begin with. You know, and he's... So it's uh, pretty amazing when you think about it. One of the things that has helped was that that helped was that Paul was able to see his sufferings from a heavenly perspective. And we should do the same more often. Amen. We like to do woe is me. Maybe I maybe I'm the only one. We like to do oh oh poor Patrick. Yeah. Brian Chapel tells the story of the nine coal miners in 2002. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Right. Um, they made national headlines during a 77-hour ordeal to rescue them from a flooded underground mine in western Pennsylvania. The story goes that when they emerged from the mine, the restaurants and gas stations posted on highway signs the words, Nine Alive, Prayers Answered. It was a time of glorious celebration for their escape from death. But there were days of even greater glory ahead when the story of what happened in that wet darkness began to emerge. When the water began to come in on the men, they rushed for escape. But when they recognized that the path was closed, they saved the lives of others by shouting to those who were coming down on a shift change to run because of the rising water. Could have been more than nine people. And they said, no, 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 get back, get back. It's coming. Yeah, get back. After that heroism, these trapped nine men began their finest hours of glory. Everything that they had was to be shared. A sandwich and a soda they shared. They huddled together to share body heat. They even took turns sharing the little piece of dry space above the water. They tied themselves together to keep anyone from floating off in, in unconsciousness. They bound themselves one to the other with the commitment that they would live or die as a group. When the outside world learned all that had happened, we all said glory. Each of these men was willing to give his life to save the lives of the others. Those at the worst of circumstances had grown together. And, and uh, it's an amazing story. I mean, and you, you know, I don't know about you, but if you, uh, just kind of this thought came in my head that if you feel like you're floating off in unconsciousness, then grab yourself another Christian. Bind yourself to another Christian. Amen. Because ultimately, at the end of that rope is a Jesus Christ. Amen, bro. Right, he's the one holding. He's like you know, you play tug of war. You got the last guy at the end. You got it wrapped, wrapped, wrapped around his his, his, uh, his his waist area. That's Jesus, right? and everybody. And we're all tied to him. Amen. See, that's the church. That's what we. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. 
That's what, and when we're going to look, as we go further into Ephesians, we're going to see him, he's really going to focus on the church. You know, he's got some, some details we're going to look at uh, pertaining to it. But that's what, that's what the church of Jesus Christ does. We, we hold each other up. Because right? we, we, you know, we're, we were never meant to do this life alone. Right? And I'm going to talk about that in, the, in a few weeks as well. But, you know, Adam and Eve, they, it was, they had to find us, God had to find us a, a helper suitable for Adam. He gave me, you know. And so we were never meant to do this, this life all alone. Trust each other, help each other, love on each other, hold on to each other, amen. What an encouragement it is to the other people living for God. I don't know about you, but it's always, I, I like hearing reports about missionaries and all that. It's like, you know, oh man, that's awesome. You know, it just pumps you up and encourages you. And, and notice he, he said this is for their glory. Um, S.M. Ball said, It is their glory that Paul suffers tribulations in order that the power of God may be revealed in the apostles' weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 is similar to that. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul, met, Paul wants to make sure that the Gentiles understand that their redemption is secure even though he's in prison. I'm in prison. I know, hey, listen, be encouraged. Right? You have a God that's going to take care of you. You can have boldness and confidence to go to Him. You can trust Him when things get tough because they will get tough. It didn't say you know, if afflictions came, right? I'm, 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 I read, I'm sure I'm reading that right. Okay. Um, so then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf. All right? You say if I have afflictions. No. All right? On my afflictions, we weren't going to have them. It's going to happen. Okay? So in Christ, we may approach God with boldness and confidence because we know he has a grand plan. Amen? That's a good statement. So when affliction comes, we don't have to be discouraged. So as we ask uh, the ladies to come up as we close today, are, are you discouraged today? God has a plan. Trust the process. Like the old football coach used to say, trust the plan. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ in him, got, Paul made it very clear, in him. Now if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that I sat as far as I can't. I can't say, "Hey, you can go to you, you know that you have somebody you can trust," because you don't. You need to have Jesus first, Amen. Right? And, and you know, and who was talking? I think was it Miss Jan was talking about the Unitarian whatever church, and they don't believe or what is this? Whatever, whatever floats your boat. All right, you know, it's like, hey, just take a bunch of stuff and throw it on the wall, see what sticks. We don't have a God like that, Amen. Right? We have a God that we can trust, who had a plan from the beginning. Right, to restore humanity after 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 sin into the world. Yeah. All right. And we all sinned and we needed a savior. Amen. We needed a savior and God had a plan. And he said, Jesus, go down there. Right. Live a perfect life. Live the life we couldn't uh, live and die the death we couldn't die. Right. Died in our place. In our place. And all all we have to do is as as people is accept the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That that counts for us. That's salvation. Right, that what God did, what Jesus did on the cross counted for me. Right? It's in my place. And I accept the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's, that's, what, that's what salvation is. Right? And so that, may we uh, be encouraged with that today. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can trust that God has a plan. We, can, you know, we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we, we know that God has a plan. Yeah? We don't understand what's going on in our, in our world today sometimes. Amen. Right? But we know God has a plan. COVID didn't stop church. Right? 
politics didn't stop the church. None of that's going to stop the church. The gospel is going to head on. It's going to keep going forward. Amen? Mm -hmm. So let's keep uh, trusting in that today. Uh, and that's a whole other whole other sermon for another day. But we 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 still need to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, whether we agree with people or not. Right? We still got to show them the love of Christ. In fact, I would say even more so right? that we had to show them the love of Christ. Right? And, and so respond with graciousness uh, to people. Respond with kindness. Lift your head up today. Be encouraged because we can approach a loving, holy, righteous God with confidence and boldness. Because we can trust the fact that He is still on the throne. Amen? May you be encouraged today. If you have a decision to make, we're here. I'll be here at the front. Or you can come and pray. Or pray where you are. Amen. As we sing, Miss Sally. Let's stand and sing page 451, Tell It to Jesus. Page 451.